So we're starting lesson number 12 of the winter quarter. It's entitled, Josiah Reforms Judah. The scriptures are 2 Kings chapter 22, verse 1, through chapter 23, verse 35. And also 2 Chronicles chapter 34, verse 1, through 36, verse 4. And we're going to start off on the first section with Josiah listens to the newly found law. And that is 2 Kings chapter 22, verses 1 through 10. So that means they lost the Bible for a certain amount of time, and they were going without it. So I'll read that. 2 Kings 22, verses 1 through 10. Josiah was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem, and his mother's name was Jedidah, the daughter of Adaiah of Bozkath. He did right in the sight of the Lord and walked in all the way of his father David, nor did he turn aside to the right or to the left. Now in the eighteenth year of King Josiah, the king sent Shaphan, the son of Azaliah, the son of Meshulam, the scribe, to the house of the Lord, saying, Go up to Hilkiah the high priest, that he may count the money brought into the house of the Lord, which the doorkeepers have gathered from the people. Let them deliver it into the hand of the workmen who have the oversight of the house of the Lord, and let them give it to the workmen who are in the house of the Lord to repair the damages of the house, to the carpenters and the builders and the masons, and for buying timber and hewn stone to repair the house. Only no accounting shall be made with them for the money delivered into their hands, for they deal faithfully. Then Hilkiah the high priest said to Shaphan the scribe, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan, who read it. Shaphan the scribe came to the king and brought back word to the king and said, Your servants have emptied out the money that was found in the house and have delivered it into the hand of the workmen, who have the oversight of the house of the Lord. Moreover, Shaphan the scribe told the king, saying, Hilkiah the priest has given me a book. And Shaphan read it in the presence of the king. So King Josiah was eight years old when he became king. Do you think he was ready to rule a country? Pardon? He was eight when he became king. So... You know, he probably had help, but he reigned for 31 years, and then he died at the age of 39, and he ruled over Judah from 640 to 609 B.C. In Second Chronicles 3, verses 3 and 4, it tells us that he began to seek God when he was 16 years old. And then he began to purge the idols from Judah when he was 20 years old. So this passage we're reading here was when he was uh, around 26 years old. So verse 2, He did right in the sight of the Lord and walked in all the way of his father David, nor did he turn aside to the right or to the left, so this is what the kings were supposed to do. 
And that was written in Deuteronomy chapter 17, verse 20. Remember, this is Moses speaking to the nation of Israel before they conquered the land, before they went into the land. Deuteronomy 17, 20 says about the king, that his heart may not be lifted up above his countrymen, and that he may not turn aside from the commandment to the right or the left so that he and his sons may continue long in his kingdom in the midst of Israel. So Josiah did that, and following the Lord's commands is how we love the Lord. It's how we demonstrate our love for the Lord. So Josiah did this better than any other king of Israel. So he loved the Lord more than any other king. Hezekiah trusted the Lord more than any other king, but he did not obey as well as Josiah did. And then remember, Solomon had more wisdom than anyone else, but he really did not obey. So he did not love the Lord. So Josiah loved the Lord the most. So then in verse 3, in the 18th year of King Josiah, he's 26 years old, he sent these uh, people to the high priest because he wanted to repair the temple. And uh, he wanted to clean out the temple, because remember, Josiah's father's name was Amon, and his grandfather was Manasseh, and they were both very bad kings. Manasseh was probably the worst king in Judah, and Manasseh actually burned his children up in the Molech idol. And, uh, you know, says he shed innocent blood and all sorts of things. So Manasseh was horrible, and they had shut the temple. They were not worshiping. And it was full of idols, and so Josiah was trying to correct this. And then something happened by chance. They found the book of the Lord, which they had lost. That's a happy thing, isn't it, that they found the Bible? Yeah, what happens when you lose the Bible? You kind of go off on your own, right? You start to do things on your own. Sin nature tends to take over. In verse 7, he says, this is concerning the, uh, the builders and the people repairing the temple. Says only no accounting shall be made with them for the money delivered into their hands, for they deal faithfully. So they didn't have financial accountability. Uh, I would not do that today. I think it's very important, especially in our day, that ministries be financially accountable and open, so that people know that the money they give is used properly and is not stolen. So um, there was a prior king that did that too, Joash, and he also it also mentions that they had no accounting because the workers were faithful. So that's a little unusual. I, I, I would be accountable. Verse 8, Okay, the high priest said to Shaphan the scribe, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord, and Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan who read it. So is there any, was there any, any time in your life when you did not read the Bible? 
when you didn't read the Bible, when you just let it. Were you saved when you were 17? Pardon? Were you saved when you were 17? Yeah. Yeah, I probably, I read the Bible through when I was in high school. And I was following the Lord. And then I went to college and I stopped. And so, uh, and then I didn't, I didn't have a Bible. I didn't own a Bible until I was 36 years old. <laughs> so, so something like this happened to me where you kind of lose it and, uh, you know, you forget about it and um, you're under the influence of the world for all that time and things go bad when that happens. So, so this was the Lord's doing, of course, that he had them discover the Bible again. And, uh, of course, uh, Josiah had probably never heard it read to him. So in Deuteronomy 31 and 26, it says, To take this book of the law and place it beside the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God, that it may remain there as a witness against you. So today, everybody can have a copy of the Bible. But back in that day... The Bible was maintained in the temple. You know, it was copied by hand. They were very expensive. A copy of the Bible is extremely expensive and very large. And so not everybody had one. And so God told them to keep it on a table beside the ark in the temple. And twice through their history, kings turned bad and went into paganism and shut down the temple, filled it with idols, and then they brought it back, and then they shut it down again, and then they brought it back. So it's understandable how it would get lost. Yes. So we're on section B. Josiah laments past lawlessness. The part we read, they just found the Bible after who knows how many years they'd lost the Bible. So, yeah, Second Kings 22, verses 11 through 20. Josiah laments past lawlessness. So verse 11, when the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his clothes. Then the king commanded Hilkiah the priest, Ahikam the son of Shaphan, Akbor the son of Micaiah, Shaphan the scribe, and Azaiah the king's servant, saying, Go inquire of the Lord for me and the people and all Judah concerning the words of this book that has been found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that burns against us, because our fathers have not listened to do the words of this book, to do according to all that is written concerning us. So Hilkiah the priest, Ahikam, Akbor, Shaphan, and Asaiah went to Huldah, the prophetess, the wife of Shalom, the son of Tikvah, the son of Harhas, keeper of the wardrobe. Now she lived in Jerusalem in the second quarter, and they spoke to her. She said to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Tell the man who sent you to me. Thus says the Lord, Behold, I bring evil on this place and on its inhabitants, even all the words of the book which the king of Judah has read, because they have forsaken me and have burned incense to other gods that they might provoke me to anger 
with all the work of their hands, therefore my wrath burns against this place, and it shall not be quenched. But to the king of Judah, who sent you to inquire of the Lord, thus shall you say to him, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, regarding the words which you have heard, because your heart was tender, and you humbled yourself before the Lord, when you heard what I spoke against this place, and against its inhabitants, that they should become a desolation and a curse, and you have torn your clothes and wept before me, truly I have heard you, declares the Lord. Therefore, behold, I will gather you to your fathers, and you will be gathered to your grave in peace, and your eyes will not see all the evil which I will bring on this place. So they brought back word to the king. Okay, so they read this to Josiah, and he was so upset he tore his clothes. So I suspect what he particularly paid attention to was Deuteronomy 28, verses 15 through 68, and maybe Leviticus 26, which were the curses declared for disobedience, you know. And uh, if if you read through Deuteronomy 28, verses 15 through 68, it builds to a crescendo of disaster, which includes cannibalism, and then being taken into exile out of the land. And Josiah knew about his father and grandfather, Amon and Manasseh, that they were horrific, particularly Manasseh. I mean, Manasseh is mentioned by name as the cause of the Babylonian captivity because of the things Manasseh did in Jerusalem. He sends five men to a known prophetess. Her name is Huldah. And the quarterly says she may have been Jeremiah's aunt, Jeremiah the prophet's aunt. I mean, this goes to show that forebears, you know, Josiah, both his father and his grandfather were evil. They influence people. You know, your parents influence you by teaching an example, but they do not determine your personal outcome, right? That's up to you. And that is mentioned in Ezekiel's prophecy, Ezekiel 18. So if you're born into a wicked family, you have a disadvantage, but you're not out. Ezekiel 18, verse 20, the person who sins will die. The son will not bear the punishment for the father's iniquity, nor will the father bear the punishment for the son's iniquity. The righteousness of the righteous will be upon himself, and the wickedness of the wicked will be upon himself. But if the wicked man turns from all his sins which he has committed, and observes all my statutes and practices, justice and righteousness, he shall surely live. He shall not die. All his transgressions which he has committed will not be remembered against him. Because of his righteousness which he has practiced, he will live. Do I have any pleasure in the death of the wicked, declares the Lord God, rather than that they should turn from, he should turn from his ways and live? Righteousness increases your life, and uh, practical righteousness increases your life, not just... Um, the transferred righteousness of Jesus, but practical righteousness will increase your life. So, and the Lord will judge you on what you do, not on what your parents do, which is good. The the curse, I think, that, that you're mentioning there 
comes from the example set. Because kids follow their parents' example well, in general. Example, so now look at verse 16 and 17. So they they asked Huldah, the prophetess, which is one of the few named women prophets. You know, there was Deborah, who was a judge back in the time of the judges then. Here, Huldah. So it... it this, they seem to appear when the men are failing miserably. So anyway, they go to her, and, and she says that God has decided already. Thus says the Lord, Behold, I bring evil on this place. And tells why. And he says, Therefore my wrath burns against this place, and it shall not be quenched. And so that kind of makes sense of the, so there are several passages in Jeremiah where it says, he tells Jeremiah, do not pray for this people because it's useless. I've made up my mind. I will not change my mind. So, because those are very confusing passages where he says, do not pray for this people, but he is going to follow the covenant. He will follow the covenant because he is a God who does not lie. He and Israel entered into the Mosaic covenant at Mount Sinai. These curses were written into the covenant, and they have triggered them. So the judgment was coming on Judah and Jerusalem. And then in chapter 23, verses 26, this is about Manasseh. So Josiah was a very good king, probably the best king of Israel. But even so, however, the Lord did not turn from the fierceness of his great wrath with which his anger burned against Judah because of all the provocations with which Manasseh had provoked him. So Josiah's grandfather triggered the exile with his evil. And it's interesting, in Chronicles... And we've mentioned this before. Manasseh was captured by the Assyrians, taken to Babylon. When the Assyrians were ruling over Babylon, and he repented there. And then he was brought back to Jerusalem. He was set up as king again, and he repented, and he tried to undo all, all the evil he had done. But it wasn't enough. And um, so Manasseh, we will see in heaven. But it was his, he was the trigger for the exile. Shame. It is, yeah, it is a shame that uh, there's a failure on the part of the men. You know, there, I mean, we've mentioned this many, many times. Uh, men and women are of equal worth before the Lord. They're saved in exactly the same way. But even today in the church, there are roles from which women are excluded in the church, and that, you know, pastor and elder, they are excluded. And uh, Paul goes back to uh, creation for his reasoning on that before the fall. So it, it's not sin. It's not due to sin. It's just the roles that the Lord has planned. It's the way things are. It's the way reality is. And so, and, uh, you know, even in the church, this is really messed up right now. 
It is very messed up. So, you know, we believe the Bible. We believe God. We believe what he says. That is what he says. So that's what we hold. And, uh, you know, so evangelical feminism is wrong. Evangelical feminism, you know, says that women can become pastors. That is wrong. And it is sinful because it goes against the word of God. And so we don't believe that. So, and, you know, now in the, in the culture, gender is whatever you make up in your head, which is incredibly evil. So anyway, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so nothing was going to turn back this judgment on Judah. And also mentioned in Jeremiah, this phrase that their wound is incurable can't be turned back. Their wound is incurable. And another prophet said that too. I can't remember. It was Micah. It might have been Micah. Um, that's when, okay, it's gone to the point where the curse has been triggered and the Lord will not go back on his covenant, which he's made. So then verse 20 is the Lord's consolation for Josiah. Therefore, behold, I will gather you to your father's You'll be gathered to your grave in peace. Your eyes will not see all the evil which I will bring on this place. So they brought back word to the king. So there's something in the quarterly I wanted to read that I thought was good. Yeah. Since King Josiah would meet his death in a losing battle against Egypt at the age of 39, he's very young, it's appropriate to ask in what sense he was buried in peace. When he died, he was at peace with God and in harmony with his subjects who loved him and honored him in death. Finally, his kingdom was still secure and intact at the time of his death. Yeah, how he got killed is very puzzling, but we'll get to that part. Okay, so we're on the next section. Wait a sec, I wrote down some verses here. 2 Chronicles 35, 24, and 25. This is concerning Josiah's death. He was hit with a volley of arrows when he attacked Pharaoh Necho. So verse 24 of 2 Chronicles 36 says, So his servants took him out of the chariot and carried him in the second chariot which he had, brought him to Jerusalem where he died and was buried in the tombs of his fathers, all Judah and Jerusalem mourned for Josiah. Then Jeremiah chanted a lament for Josiah, and all the male and female singers speak about Josiah in their lamentations to this day. And they made them an ordinance in Israel. Behold, they are also written in the lamentations. So he was honored in his death, and his country was intact and at, still at peace at his death. Okay, so moving on, we'll go to section C. Josiah renews the covenant, and that is 2 Kings 23, verses 1 through 3. Okay, then the king sent, and they gathered to him all the elders of Judah and of Jerusalem, the king went up to the house of the Lord, and all the men of Judah, and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem with him, and the priests and the prophets, and all the people, both small and great, 
and he read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant, which was found in the house of the Lord. The king stood by the pillar and made a covenant before the Lord to walk after the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all his heart and all his soul, to carry out the words of this covenant that were written in this book, and all the people entered into the covenant. Okay, so Josiah himself called an assembly, chapter 23, verse 1, and he read the book of the covenant to them. And that was even though the prophetess said the judgment could not be reversed. So she said that this will happen. And in the curses, you know, it talks about cannibalism and women and men eating their children because they're starving to death and just horrid judgments. And it was not going to be stopped. And yet he went ahead and read the covenant to them because he himself wanted to obey. So that's a good example for us, because obedience to the Lord, arising out of faith, is always worthwhile, no matter how desperate things look, how terrible things look. It's always worthwhile to follow the Lord and do what he says. And also, when he read the Bible to the people, that creates faith. It's the Bible that creates our faith in us, which is very interesting. And that's Romans chapter 10 and verse 17, which says, So faith comes from hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ. So when you hear the Bible, it directs your faith to where it should go, and that's toward Jesus. The Word of God is indispensable in the believer's life. We rely on the Word of God. You know, once we're saved, we're saved by faith alone, in Christ alone, in Jesus alone. That will save us from hell. Okay? So the moment, the instant we believe, our destiny changes from the lake of fire to the new Jerusalem for eternity. But after that, the Lord, some, you know, for everybody, he calls them to discipleship at some time, you know. Um, he, he may wait a little longer for others, like the Apostle Paul was saved and was immediately called to discipleship at the same time, and he did it. Peter, John, James, they were saved. And then they waited a while and continued their job as fishermen. And Jesus came later by while they were fishing and called them to discipleship. Okay. You know, in my life, I was saved at seven years old. And I started to walk in discipleship as a high school student. And then I lost the Bible. I got distracted by the world. I went off to college. And then the Lord called me again when I was 36, and he called me with a hammer through disaster. And that is when it stuck. And I said, yes, I will follow you. So that call to discipleship is not always immediate. So there can be saved people. There are, I'm sure there are many, many 
saved believers who are not disciples. There can also be disciples who are not believers. And those are the ones that Jesus will say, go from me, I never knew you. And they will be cast into where there is wailing and gnashing of teeth. The disciples who are not actually believers. And, uh, you know, the false teachers fall into that category. And, uh, but there are many, many Christians who are not yet disciples. But discipleship is worthwhile. Remember, discipleship does not save you from hell. Discipleship does give you intimacy with God. You can sense his presence. It gives you emotional stability. It gives you eternal reward. And it gives you authority in the millennial kingdom. You know, the Lord keeps track of what we do for him out of faith. And um, exactly, yeah. No, that's what I'm saying. It is possible to be to both be a believer going to heaven who is not a disciple. That's a possibility, which is bad. But what is worse is to be a disciple who is not a believer because that person is going to hell. All of his works is filthy rags. See, because it, all of his works are not out of faith. Only the works that are done based on faith are accounted to our account, you know. Other than Jesus' full righteousness, which is accounted to us at the time of belief. Okay, so now we're going to... Yeah, so in verse 3, Josiah renewed the covenant... And the people agreed to the covenant. So that is a mark of a good leader, to lead the people righteously. And uh, this was also done by Moses at Sinai. They read the, he read the covenant before the people. The people agreed to the covenant. That was repeated by Joshua at the end of his life. He read the covenant. The people agreed. It was repeated by Samuel when they asked for a king. It was also repeated by Jehoiada, the priest, who was the mentor of Joash, who actually saved the uh, Messianic line from extinction. Um, he read the covenant to the people, and they agreed to follow it. And then later, after this time period, Ezra and Nehemiah again repeated the covenant, and they agreed to it. So this happened several times through Israel's history, but one of the times was here with King Josiah. So that's uh, then there's an overview part, and that is 2 Kings 23, 4 through 25. And during that, uh, King Josiah cleared the temple of idols. It was full of idols, and it was closed and non-functioning. So he cleared the temple of idols. He broke down the houses of male cult prostitutes, which were inside the temple at the time. So they were having prostitution, male prostitution going on in the temple at this time. So then he destroyed the surrounding high places. He destroyed the idol to Molech, 
which is where child sacrifice went on. Then he went into Israel and destroyed the calf idols. And remember, this followed the prophecy from 1 Kings chapter 13, which was some 260-some years before. And uh, then he celebrated the Passover meticulously and followed it as it hadn't been followed since the days of Samuel. So he followed the Passover to the letter um, and was the first king ever to do that. So then, now this, we move ahead 13 years to Josiah dies in battle. And that is section D. Yeah. Thank you, sir. Yeah, so this is this is puzzling to me. So just going back to verse 25, before him there was no king like him, Josiah, who turned to the Lord with all his heart and all his soul and with all his mind. That That's how we're to love God too, right? With all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our might. According to all the law of Moses, nor did any like him arise after him. And this is how we love someone we can't see. We can't see God. We can't hear God. I would say sometimes we can't feel God. I mean, he... he you know, but basically, God is a spirit, and we cannot see him. So how do we, and this kind of baffled me when I started being a disciple. How are you supposed to love God who you don't even see or hear or anything? Well, it tells us, John fourteen twenty one, he who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and will disclose myself to him. That's how you love God. You obey his commands. So Josiah was the best at this of all the kings. He loved God the most of all the kings, um, even more than Hezekiah did. Although Hezekiah trusted God the most. He did not love God the most. Josiah loved God the most. So, and that's what we want to do. And, you know, I want to do it for a selfish reason. And that's what Jesus says right there. I will manifest myself to him. Okay. In real life, right here, right now, you want to know that he's there. And he does that. He's done that to me many times. Manifested himself. You know. And it's usually answered prayer that it's that's very unlikely. Answered prayer that's very unlikely to happen. Um, and I'm like, wow, I love it when that happens. So I like it when Jesus manifests himself to me. So now the verse 26, we've talked about this before. The Lord had already decided concerning Judah. Manasseh had tipped the scale. And let me just read to you a little bit of what Manasseh did. This is from, so Manasseh was grandpa. Well, I have my theories, but, you know, righteousness gives life. 
not money. Money doesn't give life. That's in the Proverbs. Righteousness gives life. And um, so he died at 39, pretty young. And uh, But anyway, this is what Manasseh did. So this is Second Chronicles 33, verse 2 of Manasseh. He was only 12 when he became king. He did evil in the sight of the Lord, according to the abominations of the nations whom the Lord dispossessed before the sons of Israel. So he copied not just the northern kingdom, which had the calf idols. He was copying the Canaanites, whom the Lord waited 400 years to annihilate. And then the Lord sent Israel in to kill all of them, including their children and their animals. But he was doing what they were doing. For he rebuilt the high places, which Hezekiah his father had broken down. He also erected altars for the Baals and made Ashirim and worshipped all the host of heaven and served them. He built altars in the house of the Lord, at which the Lord had said, My name shall be in Jerusalem forever. For he built altars for all the host of heaven in the two courts of the house of the Lord. He made his sons pass through the fire in the valley of Ben-Hinnom. So he offered them on this um, flaming hot iron idol. Can you imagine that? Putting your baby on this thing to burn to death. And he practiced witchcraft, used divination, practiced sorcery, and dealt with mediums and spiritists. He did much evil in the sight of the Lord, provoking, to ang provoking him to anger. Then he put the carved image of the idol which he had made in the house of God, of which God had said to David and to Solomon his son, in this house and in Jerusalem, which I have chosen from all the tribes of Israel, I will put my name forever. And then he was taken into captivity. And after all of that, he repented and trusted in the Lord and was saved. You can be a real bad dude and go to heaven. And that's grace. So verse 29 and 30, back in Second uh, Kings 22, In his days Pharaoh Necho, king of Egypt, went up to the king of Assyria, to the river Euphrates, and King Josiah went to meet him, and when Pharaoh Necho saw him, he killed him at Megiddo. His servants drove his body in the chariot from Megiddo and brought him to Jerusalem and buried him in his own tomb. Then the people of the land took Jehoahaz, the son of Josiah, and anointed him and made him king in place of his father. So the Second Chronicles passages gives a little more, fills this out a little more. So Second Chronicles 35, 35, 22. This is, it's just like he lost his mind temporarily. So Josiah set the temple in order. Necho, king of Egypt, came up to make war at Carchemish on the Euphrates, and Josiah went out to engage him. Necho sent messengers to him, saying, What have we to do with each other, O king of Judah? I am not coming against you today. Stop for your own sake from interfering with God who is with me, so that he will not destroy you. However, Josiah would not turn away from him, but disguised himself in order to make war with him, nor did he listen to the words of Necho, 
from the mouth of God. These words of Necho were from the mouth of God. That's what the Bible says. But came to make war on the plain of Megiddo. So this is my theory about this, and it's Isaiah. Isaiah was an earlier prophet. Isaiah, remember, was during the time of Hezekiah. Let's see. It's Isaiah 57 and verse 1. Here it is. Verse, yeah, 57 verse 1. The righteous man perishes, and no man takes it to heart. And devout men are taken away while no one understands, for the righteous man is taken away from evil. That's what I think happened. The Lord said, the Lord is always on a timetable. He said, this is going to happen. Josiah, I'm going to retire you in peace, you know, even though he shot with an arrow. Multiple arrows. Multiple arrows. And um, so we are, what this teaches us is that we are indestructible until the the works that the Lord has planned for us are finished. Ephesians 2, verse 10. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. God has good works for us to do. When we complete them, he will call us home. Before we complete them, he will not call us home. So, you know, that, that's my theory about Josiah, because Josiah, you know, um, that is baffling <laughs> to me, that he wouldn't listen to, you know, what, what was he doing? I, you know, it doesn't make sense. It does not make sense what he was doing. It makes no sense. So anyway, one more overview. This is 2 Kings 23, 31 through 35, and 2 Chronicles, the whole thing. The people then made Jehoahaz king. He was Josiah's third son. Pharaoh Necho didn't like that and imprisoned Jehoahaz in Egypt. He only reigned for three months, and he appointed Jehoahaz's older brother Eliakim king and changed his name to Jehoiakim. So in the Bible, when you name something, it gives you authority over it. Remember, Nebuchadnezzar renamed Daniel and his three friends, whose names honored the true God. He gave them names that honored the false gods, saying, I have authority over you. And the whole book of Daniel is God saying, no, you don't. <laughs> but anyway, so Pharaoh Necho did that. <clears throat> Benjamin was still aligned with Judah. And then throughout Josiah's lifetime, Judah followed the Lord. So up until Josiah was 39 and he died, Judah followed the Lord. And then quickly they went away from it when he died. So that's the end. Amen. Oh, the bell rang.